I, I cannot like stress enough, like just how important it is to to connect with those people and, and have conversations with them, have a have a cup of coffee with them, or even if it's just taking a lap around, you know, the stadium, the, the arena that you work at, small things like that will go a long way and people remember that. Welcome to Hot Coffee Cold Beer, telling the stories behind sports careers and sports business. I'm your host, Brock Hendricks, with the LA Lakers, Clippers, Kings, and Sparks, and I want to help you grow your career by sharing a hot coffee or cold beer with those who have turned their love of sports into a job. I'm Matt Stalker. I'm the manager of human resources for FC Cincinnati. Matt Stalker is an industry-leading talent acquisition and employee retention expert and a rare breed in the sports industry. Most of us get in where we fit in. We find a department with an opening and learn to love that area. Well, not Matt, who started in ticket sales with the Florida Panthers and then after six years transitioned into something very different than sales, human resources. Yeah, when I was in ticket sales, I never thought in a million years I would end up in human resources. A lot of people think that was my end goal was to get into ticket sales, which is a, a very popular way to get into an organization and, and shift from there. But it wasn't the case at all. When I was in ticket sales, I was 100% in, eventually learned some more about what I enjoyed doing throughout the organization that led me to the human resources function. How does that transition happen? Because after four years in ticket sales... That's a decent amount of time. How do you go to your organization and say, hey, actually, this is where I think I'm better served? Yeah, you know, what? it was such an interesting time because I joined the Panthers as as an account executive. I did that for for years before I moved into the ticket sales manager role. And I, I got to a point where like, I, I just wanted more. I felt like I could offer the organization more. And that's you know, really what, what made me look at human resources as a potential next step. When, when I hit that point, I was thinking years down the road, really just trying to set myself up for long-term success and like, hey, what do I want to be doing when I'm 40 and 50 years old? I knew I was passionate about working in sports entertainment. I wanted to do that when I was in college, still want to do that till this day. So like I knew I was in the right the right space, but as far as my career goals and what I wanted to be doing, you know, it felt like the human resources space was, was an area that I could come in and make an immediate impact. So after going through some conversations with my VP at the time, just learning about the department, shortly after that, our employment manager put in her notice and there was an opening. So I, I hopped on it and it was one of those decisions that I had to make pretty quickly as far as what I was going to do it was, am I in or am I out? I loved being in ticket sales. So like I knew I was going to be leaving that, you know, team atmosphere, like bonding amongst my accounting executives on my team at the time and all that good stuff. But for me, like I, I, I thought it would be worth it. And, you know, uh, I'm definitely glad I made the decision. I think it was the right one for me. So it wasn't a moment for you of you going like, wow, I hate this. I hate sales. I got to get out. For you, it was more of you inquired about what this life was and then went, actually, that is a better fit for me. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I talk about this all the time, especially with um, you know people still in college trying to find their feet, You know, whether they're g- going to be graduating soon or just recently graduated. I never hated my job in ticket sales at any point. It was really just finding some of my strengths that I knew I had. And again, just setting myself up long term success. Like I'm thankful that like I was able to make that adjustment with the team. I, I think being there for, you know, over four years or whatever it was before I made that 
shift to, to HR. I think I built a lot of trust in the organization, a lot of you know, people in, in the organization, a lot of leadership team members knew what I was capable of and, and what I could do. So I think that helped me out too. I, I think it would have been a, a little bit more difficult if I came on in, in sales and six months down the road, you know, I'm trying to move. I think that helped my case. By the way, welcome to season two, hot coffee, cold beer. Cheers. Do you, do you have a coffee or beer? Cheers. What are you doing today? So I am drinking, it is, it is 510 here in Cincinnati. So I'm drinking a cold beer. So shout out to our partners at, at Ryan Geist. I'm drinking a Wowie, which is a ale with pineapple and passion fruit. So it is the go-to summer drink for me. That is one thing I missed from like season one to season two when we took our break is people yeah. coming on and bragging about what beer. It like it became one giant like a sponsorship activation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You should have Folgers and like, you know, another another good beer company like sponsoring this. <laughs> That's what I've been saying. Let's go, baby. <laughs> Daddy needs a beer sponsor. <laughs> I talked to your hiring manager about this move, the one who hired you and brought you over from ticket sales to human resources. And mm-hmm. she told me she grilled you about the transition. Like, yeah, they were really trying to make sure that you were set up for this. And like your heart was in the right place and really trying to get a feel for why you would move to such a different world. What do you remember about the Florida Panthers HR team talking to you and being like, really? Like, what are you doing? What, what's really in it for you? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it's, an, it's such an important conversation to be had because it's an, it's an important role to be in. I, I think, you know, for me, having though that opportunity in, in sales to really master learning relationship building, learning how to service your season ticket holders, anything like that, that takes time and it takes a lot of practice. And I think in my case, like my time in sales was foundational for my career in HR. And I think, you know, when I look back as far as like my path and, you know, maybe I should have just went into HR like after college and, and all that good stuff. I think it's awesome that I had my experience in sales. I honestly wouldn't change it at all because I also got to see what it's like, you know, being on the other side, but being on a different business function of the organization, like you get to have a lot of different views of, of different things. And I think in my case, that helped me at the time with the Panthers. I, I felt like there was some great opportunity for us to, to really embrace being a part of the southernmost hockey team in the NHL. Like we take a lot, we took a lot of pride in that when I was down there. So it's it was a special place to be. And I just wanted to make sure like everyone that was coming on board and everyone I talked to, whether they were coming on as intern, part-time or full-time employee, you know, that they were really feeling bought into the organization and, and taking a lot of pride for being there. Is it true that with FC Cincinnati just recently, like during COVID, you had to hire 400 people? You know, it has been absolutely insane. You you are absolutely right. So when I joined the team here, and, and that was part of part of the challenge when I joined, and, and I knew that going in, and I was like, wow, what you know, what an awesome opportunity to get some of this experience staffing a, a stadium from the ground up. So yeah, on on my first day of work, we were at at, at zero employees at the stadium. Since then, we have grown so much. Yeah, we're probably closer to that four hundred range. Matt, one thing that sticks out to me about you is I just super love your attitude about the transition and everything. It's like, not only is this a very rare thing that I don't think people do in sports, I just don't think this is a transition that happens commonly in life. I don't think tech sales bros one day wake up and go to their VP of sales and say, hey, actually, I'm a talent acquisition guy. So I think what's super important about your story in this conversation is 
a lot of us start in sports and we do sales to start just because it's the job open. We learn how to become salespeople, even if it was never our ambition, because that's what our teams need us to do. And that's where the job is. But I think a lot of us have these other skills or dreams or ambitions outside of sales. How do you recommend that somebody that's in where you were, how do you recommend somebody make that transition into a totally different path in the sports industry? Yeah, I think, I mean, there's there's a lot of different things that can go into it. I think having conversations with people inside your team of if it's the department you want to work in, like having conversations with them. One of the important things that I see like in the human resources, people are operations spaces is providing employees that opportunity get, get to learn and, and hear from other employees in their organization of, you know, what they're working on on a daily basis and just really creating that avenue to connect on different things like that and career growth opportunities. I, I cannot like stress enough, like just how important it is to to connect with those people and, and have conversations with them, have a have a cup of coffee with them, or even if it's just taking a lap around, you know, the stadium, the, the arena that you work at, small things like that will go a long way. And people remember that. And I just can't stress the importance of of getting outside your comfort zone a little bit. And yeah, sure, it might be a, a little awkward when you're trying to start that conversation up of like learning a little bit more about what they do. But you have to ask yourself, like, is it is it truly important to like what I want to be doing long term? And, and will this help me grow my career? So as long as you're doing that, it's it's worth it. And I think I think you run into that a lot in sales when you're, you know, calling 80, 90, 100 people every single day. So that uh, that makes some good practice for uh, some future conversations like that. I really wanted to talk with you coming into this about the hiring and the workplace experiences, because I think we're entering what I've been calling the 21st century workplace, where it's no longer this madman style of everyone come in, shut up put your head down, go to work and do the job because you're lucky to be here, right? That's kind of the old school mentality yeah. that a lot of industries and specifically sports teams have that feeling. Now you're seeing employees care more about, is my workplace fulfilling? Because I have this thought. Tell me if you agree. I think people are willing to sacrifice their own work-life balance if they work for a cause they truly believe in or that that cause cares about their lives. Do you, do you agree? Do you challenge me on that? No, I, I agree. I think that makes sense to me. Listen, like life is short. You have to be somewhere you're passionate about. And maybe that's sports to start and maybe that starts to, to fizzle out over time. And if and that's totally fine. Oftentimes, like you find people just getting burned out in sports and, you know, trying to get through it and trying to to figure it out. But I, I think at the end of the day, like, if you are passionate about what you're doing every single day, and you come to work, and you feel like you can be your true self when you come to work, and that you are appreciated when you come to every come to work every single day, that's priceless, man. How do you think sports employees can avoid burnout? Can't, well, actually, can they? Is that a thing? Like, does that exist? <laughs> I think you got to take advantage of, of your off seasons. You got to take advantage of, of your PTO that you have. But I, I think every person, it's a little bit different. You got to find like what's what's right for you. Is it more time with your your wife, your husband, girlfriend, boyfriend, whoever it may be? You got to get stuff ironed out and, and get things planned. So that way, you know, you have that dedicated time together, whether it's with that person or whether you're part of a club, an organization, you know, in your local community, whatever is important to you, 
you just have to make sure it's it's a top priority. And that's easier said than done. I mean, I've found myself uh, a couple of times like in my career too, where it's like, you're going, you're going, you're going, you're, you feel like you're getting burnt out and you're like, oh, wait, yeah, I haven't, you know, I haven't been to the gym recently or I haven't been doing this or I haven't had some just like some alone time to, to catch up and have a mental break. You have to remind yourself that that you're human and work is important and, you know, we all want to get after it and, and grow our careers. But at the same time, you got to put yourself first. You got to put your health first. You got to put your mental health first. That's the the most important thing because, you know, to, to be your best self at work, you got to, you know, make sure you're doing all the right things outside of work as well. I saw you post this one time where you said, to be your best self at work, you have to be your best self out of work. I thought that was brilliant, the way you said that. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I, it's it's so important, really, just making sure that you're giving yourself time to to relax and uh, and catch your breath. Working in sports is is a grind, you know, as we know, but it's fun. It, it's it's worth it. At least, uh, you know, hopefully, everyone listening to us thinks that it's worth it. But uh, you know, at the same time, you got to make sure that you, know, you got that balance in life. I tell people a lot, like sports and working in the industry is long hours. A lot of them are enjoyable hours, but just be ready for how long those hours are. You might be 60 hours inside of a stadium, but 40 of those hours are pretty priceless. Do you agree? Yeah. I mean, oh my goodness. Looking back, some of the moments here with FC Cincinnati already, like opening up TQL Stadium, getting to experience some sellout games already. Some of our most recent games have been at full capacity and what an incredible experience, especially like the year that we just went through of 2020 and really taking some time to to look out in the stadium and be like, wow, I did not think this was going to be possible 12 months ago. And, and here we are. I have a theory about diversity inclusion, specifically in the sports workplace that I really wanted to present to you. And please challenge me if you agree or disagree, or maybe I'm misguided here. I think part of the solution is finding the nerve root of the problem. My best guess is the kink in the hose is really early on in the process of hiring for diversity, where I think if you get more women, more people of color, more ethnicity in these entry level day one roles, that's our best shot at solving the diversity problem in the sports industry. You have to get them to these higher roles. Like when you get to a position, right, where you're hiring a vice president or president of a team. You don't have the luxury of being able to say, we're going to hire intentionally for diversity. You just have to pick the best candidate. I don't necessarily agree with that standpoint, but I've heard countless presidents tell me something like that, right? So regardless of any factor, you have to take the best candidate. So I think our solution, how do we get more minorities and these underprivileged groups into year like five, six and beyond? We got to get them more in year one. Yeah, 100%. I think even before then, looking at internships and thinking about what opportunities are we providing, you know, underrepresented groups when it comes to our internships and entry level jobs. I I think you brought up a great point as far as I think it does start early on. And I think having a conversation of of rethinking how are we pulling in candidates? What does the the interview process look like? What is, you know, even the application process look like and making it more accessible for for everybody, maybe not just, you know, a couple local college career fairs. I think that's that's such an important thing that, you know, not just sports in general, but I think as a country, like we can all kind of rethink and, and revamp this. 
this is just a competitive as fuck industry. Like, what tips do you have for anyone listening out there that's ready to either break into the industry or grow their career and climb up in the industry? Because it just doesn't end there. Once you get in, you have to keep earning it every day. What advice do you as a hiring manager tell candidates? It really depends on the position, but some things that no matter what position you're in, coming to work with the right attitude, and I feel like that's such like a common answer, but I don't think people think of that enough as far as like just coming in and, and having that positive attitude like every single day. And I totally like get people are going to have their, their good days and their bad days. But I, I think just having the the attitude to come in and have that mindset of just, hey, I'm going to make the most out of today. I'm going to you know take on the day and just do the best I can. I think little things like that, I think what it comes down to is those little things. It's not you know some secret sauce out there that anyone is, is hiding. I think it's just all about doing the, the little things correctly, just being kind it's so important too, right? From just being kind to everyone in the organization, whether you know you're coming in on your first day and, and being kind to the person at the front desk and all of that stuff matters and all that all those people are having communication amongst each other as far as you know what's happening behind the scenes and all that good stuff. So I can't stress like just doing the small things right. Speaking of being kind, I think you have a really unique perspective being in the hiring process because you were a sales guy, right? So you saw all the best and the worst of salespeople. Yeah. Do you think that you can sniff out like a cocky dickhead sales guy because like oh, yeah. you were once in the trenches with them? Yeah, 100%. That's a good question. But yeah, I, I think so. I think I still got it, especially when you're talking to salespeople and you know they're trying you know pull a fast one on you and you can be like, oh, like I actually was in your shoes before too. I used to have to make 80 to 100 calls every single day, you know, five, six days a week. Like I get where you're coming from. And, you know, you can challenge them a little bit more and, and ask them more detailed questions. And, oh, like you had X amount in sales. Like, tell me more about that. Tell me about that client. And, and how did you build that relationship with them? It, it, it's, all, it's always fun to, to have those conversations. <laughs> we would probably be doing the industry a massive disservice if we didn't spend some time on FC Cincinnati. Yeah. Or as I've been calling it, FCC. Because if anyone yeah. says, you down with FCC, I say, well, you know me. <laughs> This is kind of a funny one because it's a new-ish property, yeah. right? We should know about this because FC Cincinnati, I'll let you tell the story, but essentially the nuts and bolts of it are they go from the USL to the MLS, now opening a new stadium that just came up with 33,000 capacity. Like it's basically a Ted Lasso thing that people in America don't understand of like elevating groups, right? Yeah, no, you're spot on. I mean, to go from USL, spending three years in the USL, then getting the opportunity to join MLS. Now we're in our third year. And honestly, like I remember, you know, when, when FC Cincinnati announced like the new stadium and just seeing renderings of the stadium and just knowing the type of atmosphere that Cincinnati brought to, to their games here. But right away, I'm like, that is that is absolutely amazing. I thought like MLS was going in the right direction as far as like they are taking on that underdog mentality. I felt like you have your bigger leagues out there, but I felt like MLS was really embracing that mentality of like, hey, we're going to do things our own way. Like we're going to do things differently. And with the expansion uh, clubs coming into the league, like that was something that immediately like caught my attention. 
And with FC Cincinnati, just like this is like one of the best atmospheres I've been a part of in my whole career, just getting out to some of uh, the sellout games that we've had already at TQL Stadium and seeing how passionate these fans are. It is absolutely an experience to be a part of. And you have to take a step back and really appreciate where you've come at like in your career and really appreciate like what, what's going on here in Cincinnati, because it truly, truly is something special that's going on. I see your staff doing some pretty cool things together. Like you are playing organized soccer leagues, FCC employees. Like you have, you have, what is this? You created your own USL? You know what? We might be onto something. We got some, we got some star players for sure. Yeah. So we started doing that. And honestly, like I was telling, telling my boss about this a couple of weeks ago when we first did it. Like, honestly, it doesn't even matter that like we were playing soccer. Like it could have been anything. But like the opportunity to just get to meet some people, because I'm like still getting introduced to some people who I haven't met yet because, you know, just with COVID and everything and some people working at our practice facility and working at stadium and working here at our downtown office. It's just been like an ongoing process. So to have the opportunity to meet some of these people, it's been it's been really special. So we're just building relationships with each other and, and getting to know each other. And that way, like when we come in the next day, I think we all feel like a little bit more comfortable, a little bit better as far as like working together as a team. And I think little things like that go such a long way. This was another thing I found interesting about FC Cincinnati is you have a downtown workplace office. You have some employees work out of the stadium. And then there was a third location where how that has to be a little bit of a logistical challenge. Can you talk about the dynamic there between employees throughout three different workplaces? Yeah. I mean, with with our practice facility, a lot of our soccer ops, our academy, first team, you know, they they all work out of the practice facility just because that's where our first team is practicing at and training at and all that good stuff. And then... The majority of everyone works at our downtown office. So we have five different floors here at our downtown office. So we have a pretty good amount of space. And then, yeah, at TQL Stadium, we have uh, not too many, but we have a few over there on our facility ops, event ops teams working at the stadium. You know, it's fun, though, because like I have a weekly meeting at the stadium. So I know at least once a week, like every Tuesday at 3 p.m., like I get to go over there and show my face and get to see everyone over there. And, you know, a lot of us from the downtown office uh, go over to the stadium for that weekly meeting as well. What do you think is special about FC Cincinnati? Like when you look at your workplace experience and your setting, what keeps people employed there? I think there's a lot of different things when it comes to what keeps our employees happy. And I think everyone is different as far as like what that is. I think with us, we are just a growing team and we are an extremely transparent team as far as like what's going on within the the organization itself. I think we put a lot of trust in our employees as well to to make the right decisions. Being trustful and, and having that trust is is a core part of of our culture here. And I think as long as like we're we're doing that and providing the our staff like with those different things that they need to be successful. I think that's just the most important part and keeps people engaged and, and keeps people you know re- returning uh, year after year. I know this could differ just between different roles. Obviously, you're looking for different things in an accountant than you would be for like game day staff or whatnot. But talk to us about maybe two or three traits that are just invaluable. You just mentioned trust. What else comes to mind when you're looking before you let somebody into this special environment that is FC Cincinnati? What are the key indicators you're looking for? 
Yeah, I think you got to be, you know, working in sports, I think you got to be flexible, right? Like you got to know that you're not coming into a, a nine to five job. You know, you really have to be flexible with different events going on on the weekends. It may not even be games, but, you know, like, for example, we have like a, a three mile race going on the FCC three this Saturday. So just being there and, you know, lending a helping hand if, if need be and, and being available. So I think being flexible is important just with with your schedule and, you know, not thinking that, you know, you're above like any volunteer opportunities or I think like that is, is truly important. Touched on this earlier, but just having the right attitude, like coming in and I think it's, you know, we're in a unique position because we are such a young team and, you know, we're, we're bringing in people from other teams and, and it's really cool because we're all getting to share our different experiences with other teams that we've been a part of, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, just because I did something with a previous team, it's going to make sense here with FC Cincinnati. It's really special when we can all come together, bounce ideas off of each other from like what, we, what we've seen works, what we've seen that maybe hasn't worked, and then just coming up with the right ideas and the right thought processes for FC Cincinnati and TQL Stadium and what's going to work for us. You know, one of my old managers told me about embracing the suck. And I think that's an important thing to to remember, too, is like, especially like in, in ticket sales and you might be in an entry level position where you are making those 80, 90, 100 calls that we talked about. You can be persistent enough and you can, you know, get through those phone calls, you know, still feel like you've had a successful day when you go home at night, then then that's really special. I really loved your perspective, man. This has been truly special to hear about. We ask everybody who comes on the show. What is your why? What's your central motivator, your mission, your purpose in life? So I'm dying to know, Matt Stalker, what is your why? When I think of my why and, and why do I do it, I, from an early age, like in, in, even in high school, I knew I wanted to be in sports and entertainment. I absolutely loved the idea of working behind the scenes of a sporting event, of a live show. I thought that was a really cool opportunity growing up and going to minor league baseball games shout out to the uh, Delmarva Shorebirds uh, which is a single A affiliate of the Baltimore Orioles growing up and going to their games I think that was a really cool moment as I looked at what I wanted to do in my career you you learn to love it and you know for me especially like spending six and a half years with the Panthers and and really like getting a grasp of how they do things there and now uh joining FC Cincinnati this past January like it's given me some some awesome moments in, in my career already that I can look back on and, and really be thankful. And I, I think, you know, that is uh, that's an important thing, too, is just you know, really taking a, a moment and taking a step back and kind of reflecting on, on your career yourself and kind of giving yourself a pat on the back. I think that is one thing that especially us in sports, like we don't really do enough. I, I think it's important just to pause, you know, sometimes where you're at. And, and really reflect on where you've been and you know where you're at now and, and where you want to be going in the future. That's such an important thing. And I think as long as you know, you're doing all the right things and you know, you're giving yourself those mental breaks and you know, breaks from work and, and balancing that out, like I, I think you're in, a, you're in a good spot. All right, Matt. Do you know what, you know what time it is? It's time to hit me with some questions. Let's do it. It's some quick hitter time. Right answer, baby. <laughs> So here's what we're going to do now. This has been insanely insightful. I can't wait for anyone in college listening to this, like trying to break into the industry or someone trying to grow their career. I think they got some nuggets. So appreciate you for that. Now what we want to do, we want to switch up the pace a little bit. We're going to ask you some quick hitters, some personal questions, some of your sports opinions. Just give us your first instinct of answer right off the cuff. 
whenever you're ready. Let's do it. All right. Matt Stalker, FC Cincinnati, quick hitters. Here we go. What is the best sports movie of all time? Hmm. Brink. Who is your favorite female athlete of all time? Uh, Simone Biles. And just watching the Olympic trials and watching her perform, like it is, how is, how is she human? I, I don't get it. She's absolutely incredible. The answer is she's not human. No, <laughs> right? no human can move the way Simone Biles moves. It's not. No, it's not real. What is your favorite coffee brand of all time? You know what? Just because I really miss it right now, being from from the Maryland area and, and even Florida, they had them. I miss Wawa. I'm going to go with Wawa Coffee. What was the name of your first ever pet? Phoenix. What was the name of the street that you grew up on? White Crane. Well, congratulations, by the way. That's also the game you just played. That's how you pick your stripper name. <laughs> so if you want to transition careers again from ticket sales Let's to HR to, yes. to that, your Phoenix, what was it? Phoenix White Plains? White Crane. Phoenix White Crane. I, that could work. That honestly could probably work in a horrible way. <laughs> also, totally unrelated quick hitter question. What's your social security num- number and mother's maiden name? <laughs> Where does Ted Lasso rank on your list of all-time television shows? Ted Lasso, and I think everyone agrees on this, totally underrated show. And I think people are starting to recognize like how awesome of a show it actually is. My wife and I just, I think when I first like started here, we we're like, okay, well, I'm working for a soccer team. Like it's a soccer show. Like let's watch it. And it kind of blew us away. We love it. I, I think it's an awesome, awesome show. It's surprisingly deep, Ted Lasso, because yeah, you just right? think it's this goofy comedy, but no, they get. I know. And my wife and I were just talking about like, what, what makes it like so good? Like, yes, it has its funny moments and it has like its traumatic moments, but I don't know. It's, uh, it works, man. It really does. That's also kind of the beauty of it is it's not, it's kind of a soccer show. It's not even right, really when you right. think about it. It's, I think it's a good show. Like, it's a lighthearted show, right? Easy to watch, which I'm always a fan of. Just like those easy to watch shows. You come home from a long day and like, I don't know, some, some nights you just want to put on something and, you know, just feel like you can really relax and, and have a good time, get some good entertainment watching a, a, a good TV show. So yeah, Ted Lasso ranks up there for sure. I'm excited for the second season. We all have that one friend in our life, right? That like whatever they're hooked on, they turn into, I call it a bro you gotta, where they're like, oh, have you seen this documentary? And you're like, no. And they're like, bro bro you gotta i've tried so hard my whole life to never be the bro you gotta guy and then ted lasso came out yeah right everyone who would listen i'm like this am i telling my physical therapist my therapist my mom everyone someone on the street i just like have you seen ted lasso you've got to see ted Lasso. right right and well i usually start off like do you have apple tv like well you need to get apple tv and then watch ted lasso who is your favorite character from Ted Lasso? It's a good question. I, I forget his like title on the show. It's been a few months since I've watched it, but the like the team manager, he kind of played Nate. Yeah. Nate's my favorite yeah, too. Nate's absolutely, man. Nate. So funny. Give us some of your your sports teams. So outside of your employer, like who are your your fanhoods? So I grew up. My my dad was was a Yankees fan he is a Yankees fan so I grew up like watching the late 90s New York Yankees and and just I think that's probably like where I first like fell in love with sports right and just like watching players like Paul O'Neill and like Bernie Williams Scott Brocious Jeter like in, in his prime and, and just watching him crush like the late 90s NHL obviously I'm going with the Florida Panthers I did not know a thing about hockey when I when I joined the team 
which was which was pretty special. And you know, ever since uh, since I left, I, I feel like I still watch all of uh, all their games. So Panthers are my team for sure. I love this color combination that FC Cincinnati has of the blue and the orange. Kind of rare in yeah. sports. My favorite color combo in the world. So here's what we're gonna do. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give you a couple of teams that wear orange and blue, and you're gonna pit them against each other and pick who has the better uniforms. So we'll start with two at a time. Okay. Let's start with your employer, FC Cincinnati. The real test coming up early versus the yeah. New York Mets. Who is better uniform? Oh. Who's the better blue and orange? I mean, clearly, FCC is is the right answer here, and it always will be. So we're gonna go with uh, FC Cincinnati. Okay, New York Islanders or New York Mets? I think the Mets are bringing back their black uniforms. Is that right? They, they are uh, for for like an alternate. They're still uh, the heart right, is still right. is still blue and orange. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll go with I'll go with the Mets. Who is the better uniforms, the New York Mets or the Denver Broncos? I think I'll go with the Mets. All right, and the last one for you: New York Knicks or Denver Broncos? I'm gonna go with the Knicks. I think the Knicks had a, had a special season. I'm not not a huge NBA fan. I don't follow it too closely, but I know obviously they made the playoffs this year. They had a, had a pretty good run. Spike Lee still shows up to all their games, which is pretty special to see, and I think he's pretty iconic. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna go with the Knicks. I'll I'll take this opinion to my grave. Denver Broncos are the best uniforms in really? football. That's my that's my thing. Oh hell yeah, I'll take them over over anyone. And there's some cool uniforms, yeah. right? Chargers are pretty cool. Seahawks are pretty cool. I'll take the Broncos. I feel like they, I feel like they have a, a pretty cool helmet. Like their helmet has been the late 90s Broncos helmet. Like that, I feel like that's what I remember like growing up and seeing, you know, with John Elway and and, uh, and all that good stuff. But yeah, that's interesting. We'll have to get your Broncos jersey. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've got 30. I got a Broncos helmet. Like I don't need, I don't Love need it. any more Broncos gear. It's my <laughs> show. I can be a homer. Okay. All right. Can I, can I admit kind of something embarrassing to you? I'm like pushing 30. I'm in my late 20s. I have no idea how to spell Cincinnati on the first try. You know what? It's 100%. Is it the N? Is it the double N? Is it the double T? Like, what are we doing? So, okay. So, I I mean, I just turned 30 uh, last month. And yeah, before I moved here and I started having to spell it all the damn time, I did not know how to spell it either. So, you just got to remember C-I-N-C-I-N-Natty. See, that's where I mix it up. I think it's, oh, C-I-N-C-I-N, and then we're done with the Ns. And then we're going to do double T's. And that's my dyslexic brain cannot handle spelling Cincinnati. You know what? And because we're having this conversation, I'm going to start spelling it incorrectly. (laughs) I'm going to start spelling it with two T's. We heard you were super passionate about the state of Maryland. So can you give us maybe a fact about Maryland that nobody knows? Yeah, I mean, I, I consider Maryland home. So when I was 10 years old, we moved from Pennsylvania to Maryland. So I feel like I did most of my growing up in Maryland. I feel like a lot of people I meet, they don't meet a lot of people from Maryland. So they probably just think I'm super passionate about this state because I'm probably one of the few people that they met from, from Maryland. But listen, if you ever go to Maryland, you got to just find some some good crab cakes. You got to have a natty bow. And uh, yeah, if you ever go to Ocean City, which is uh, the area that I'm from, you got to hit up Mackey's Bayside Bar and Grill on 54th Street, uh, which is where I spent a few summers working. Is it true your favorite gift that you ever received was when someone gave you a shower coffee maker? <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. I, absolutely. So my, my coworker got me and it was just the box and she had something in the box, but it was a shower coffee maker. And I'm like, 
what the hell is this? Like, how, do, how does this even, how do I use this? And like, I'm like, of course, like as soon as like I open it, I'm like open, like off the, get the wrapping paper, like off the box. I'm trying to like figure out in my head, like how to go about using this and how it works. So I'm like, what in the world is this? But yeah, that is, that's great. That's an, that's an awesome, awesome memory. <laughs> A hot coffee, cold beer. I think we should pivot a little bit and get a shower. Like, can we inter? <laughs> Never mind. I don't want to go there. I don't want to interview people in the shower. But last one we have for you, Matt. And we appreciate your time. And thanks for joining us. Where will we see Matt Stalker in the next three years? Next three years? It's a great question. I mean, does does anyone know? I, I can tell you, my wife and I, we never came to Cincinnati before we moved here. We love it. The food and drink scene here is really incredible to be honest with you like we're kind of blown away every time we go out to eat and there's just so many things to do like i I think in three years hopefully hopefully i'm still here i I think i think i will be i think we we love it enough so yeah I, i think that's where you can find me in three years If you enjoyed this episode of Hot Coffee, Cold Beer, please consider becoming a Patreon member or following us on social media. You can find us on Instagram at HCCB Podcast. All the content you heard today is independently reported by Hot Coffee, Cold Beer, LLC, and does not reflect the opinions or views of AEG, Staples Center, PLA Lakers, Clippers, Kings, or Sparks, or any of its affiliates, subsidiaries, or partners.